Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Have we been losing a, a sense of identity or purpose as a country? Has something changed and not for the better in recent years? Some big questions explored in Lydia's new book. It's called Lost in Canada, An Immigrant's Second Thoughts. Joining us on the line is the author of this book, the aforementioned arts and culture writer, Lydia Perovich. Lydia, so great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for inviting me. So Lost in Canada, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting title, which I think sort of speaks to your own ex, you know, experience and, and what you perceive as, as what has changed. But I want to take a step back. Help us understand you know, your own background here, when and, and how it was you came to Canada in the first place. I came in 1999, and uh, it was just as the as NATO was ending its uh, bombing of Serbia and Montenegro. You will remember the Balkan Wars. Mm-hmm. The country was falling apart uh, in the in a, in a civil war, and the institutions were all falling apart, and uh, it was a very unpleasant time in the Western Balkans. And so I got a scholarship to, to attend a, a Dalhousie, and I grabbed, I just jumped at the opportunity, and I came, and I stayed, found my first job after graduation, and stayed. And Canada had its promise back then that looked very different to uh, its current ideals now, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, it was complete, it looked to me. Uh, comparatively agnostic about what ethnic background you are, what's your race. It, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. So anybody from any part of the world can come here and let's, let's do something together. It's, uh, you can take part in the Canadian project. And that, I believe, has changed. Now you have job ads that specify ethnic preference. So that, that, that was very unusual for me to see. And then it used to value the Canada as a country on average, used to value freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and of in- inquiry. And it's what we now call the meaning-making institutions. They were all into that, like the universities, the public schools, the media, our national broadcaster, and arts organizations. They kind of were all, yes, freedom of speech is, is something we should value. And that also has changed significantly, as you probably noticed. And then uh, it was a country that was interested in its culture and its art. Uh, I understand it's always been a bit of a struggle, first with British culture and against British culture, and in the maybe last 50 years with American culture and against American culture. But Canada was way more interested in its culture and its arts back when I moved here. And also it had connected to this. It had arts criticism. It had arts journalism. The media took interest in its arts and culture. And so why is this important? Well, if journalism is the first draft of history, arts journalism and arts criticism is the first draft of our cultural history of what we are as a nation. So all these things have changed over time, I believe. And this coincided with some personal changes in my life. I hit middle age. I lost my last remaining parent. My mom died five years ago. And then you start questioning some of your choices and start noticing some of these changes very acutely. When did you start to notice these changes, do you think? I presume, I mean, maybe five, six six years ago, seven years ago. You ask different writers when they've noticed changes, and they would say maybe 10 years ago. I mean, the Internet certainly changed a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. the Internet is now becoming social media, effectively. So this is the Internet, I don't know, 3.0. What what, what, uh, number we are, I'm not sure. But... uh, it's affecting political life, it's affecting culture, 
And of course, it's completely changed journalism. It's completely rumbled journalism in Canada, especially. And uh, exchanging the economy, of course, is now completely different. So let's say maybe five, six years ago, and a lot of it's coming from the U.S. I mean, we all we all import a lot of the uh, U.S. culture war stuff together with the this tech, new tech age and tech dominance in, in the economy. Yeah. Do you, do you think of yourself, and was there a point at which you began to think of yourself as a Canadian? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, this is it. It's very easy to adopt a we, like immediately. I yeah. think as, even before that I became a citizen, uh, I, I, w- I would say we easily. I mean, when, when I, one of my first things, one of the first places that I volunteered in was uh, my MPP's office in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And my, M- my MP, sorry, my MP's office was Alexa McDonough, who used to be the NDP leader back then. And nobody cared whether I was a citizen or not. I was just offered the instrument of citizenship, and I just loved having them, and I loved participating. And I think that's a good way to get new citizens in to all these different um, MPs and MPPs constituency offices, for example. And another way is to volunteer, as I explained the book, to volunteer for one of the wonderful uh, social issue organizations. I currently volunteer for uh, adult adult literacy college. Uh, and the easy, the way was pretty easy. And Canadians are good. They're tolerated. Me, that's fine. Yes, you are. It was, the we was open and flexible, mm-hmm. and it wasn't an issue. And the we wasn't as What's the word? It wasn't as divided back then. I think I think our we is kind of weakened, uh, has been weakened lately by the many differences. One of the biggest is that we are emphasizing the uh, indigenous versus settler uh, difference. That That's sharpened. That's really sharpened lately. And so there's all, 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 all the immigrants and settlers and everybody else, and there's the indigenous population. And not a lot of people are arguing that we are actually one quality. That we are one culture, and uh, we're not one nation and another nation. We are actually one highly dysfunctional, uh, <laughs> funny, cacophonous, uh, messy, but one nation. And I wonder why that is. I think a lot of people would agree with that observation, or you know, large large segments of your your argument here. I think people have seen some of these same trends. But the question is, why? Like, what's driving that, or why is that happening? Do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to know that. <laughs> why did Why did ethnic identity take over every other point in our conversation. And of course, some of it is the U.S., where the race discourse dominates. I mean, race is such a weird concept. It's completely useless in a lot of other countries. But because it's so hot in the U.S., and it matters for their history, now we're all adopting race. And so we're dividing ourselves into races. What race are you? Are you all right? So how do we do we communicate as races or do we communicate as individuals? Do we how do we do we work it out as citizens? So I, I think that's a bit noxious, but the race, the 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 race talk. I I don't know. I, I was thinking the other day, maybe this is what Francis Fukuyama said in, in the recent interview. Maybe the problem with liberal democracies is they, they get boring. Like <laughs> we get so well off like a lot of us get so well off and don't have huge political problems. And so we want a romance of something. We want a romance of a collective, of justice. And so we join a cause and uh, we get blind, blinded a little bit by it. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe we needed some energy and some passionate engagement over stuff. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Of course, the increase in, in inequalities 
did not inequality income inequality did not happen. And I think that also uh, sharpened some of the some of the other divisions. Right. It's interesting because I think maybe there's some, I don't know if it's unintended consequences. I mean, you know, there there is and maybe always should be a push for tolerance. We should always strive to be a tolerant society. But, you know, when tolerance becomes intolerance or when a push for tolerance has unintended consequences, you don't get the desired results. And I wonder if that's part of what's going on here. Either it's the wrong sort of push or there's just unintended consequences from a belief that we need to keep pushing toward tolerance because if the end result is in a way, in a weird way, we become less tolerant, then we're not really better off as a society, are we? Yeah, well, the trick is, yeah, I know, uh, there's been some studies that are coming out. Americans are writing about this. Unfortunately, Canadians are not, Canadian media are not writing about this. Uh, Do you know those EDI training courses that everybody's now taking and EDI statements and equity, diversity, um, Whatever is the third one, um, like you, you anti-racism, anti-racism courses in workplaces and all that. Yeah. And actually, sociologists and anthropologists have looked at that, and and in a lot of cases, they just exacerbate differences. Like if you learn about, let's say, let's say you learn in in such a course that women and ethnic minorities are considered less. You, you come out of that with an impression that, oh, yeah, yeah, women, yeah, yeah, the stereotypes. You become more aware of the stereotypes that you maybe didn't even know before. So some of these training, like in EDI and some of the EDI changes, are actually making things worse. So what do you want people to get from this book? Is this meant as a, a warning or as a wake-up call to Canadians? Or, or what, what do you see your message as in that sense? I I hope they get it as you had a good thing going, and don't mess it up. You really had a good thing going. Why are you messing up? It's so easy to uh, destroy things. It's really easy to build things up, to build institutions. And as we can see, like one of, like, we can see how we, some of the media, some of the theater houses, they've just, just been folding in the last few years and self-canceling. And there's so much internal strife. And these are institutions that, that have been made over generations. Like a lot of people have put a lot of work and love and sweat into these institutions. And you just get a couple of boards that are weird and irresponsible. And that's it. Institution is gone. So that, that's it. That's my just, you had a good thing. I know it's flawed. I know it's flawed. Liberal democracy is, is an ongoing conversation. It's a work in progress. You're in this ship and you have to, the ship is flowing and you have to fix the ship while it's flowing. I know it's difficult, right. but what you want to like you don't want to destroy the ship it's 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 a bad idea it's a bad idea it's interesting. And I, I think from your perspective as a newcomer to Canada, as an immigrant, I mean, I, I think that we, we strive to be a country where uh, an immigrant uh, feels welcome. An immigrant falls in love with this country. Uh, an immigrant becomes part of the fabric of this society, which is was your experience, you know, over 20 years ago. But if that's no longer the case, it should be a wake up call. Do you, do you feel that your experience would be different if you moved to Canada now as opposed to 1999? I think so. I think that's definitely true. I think we, this is my personal impression, but they, there have been, and I mentioned in book, in the book, some of them, there have been studies about how, for example, high uh, diversity affects uh, social cohesion and social trust. And it's immediate effect or some, sometimes, yes, it sometimes it diminishes social trust, but as the, as the various ethnic groups get to know each other and live in this 
and there's a hive that is, for example, Toronto or Calgary or, or Edmonton, we, we get used to each other over generations and it gets much better. It, it, we intermarry, we date each other, we talk to each other, we, we go to school with each other. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think currently there's an emphasis on just you stay with your own ethnic group, you demand racial justice, you, you demand other kind of justice within your ethnic group as a member of your ethnic group. And I don't think that's a particularly good idea. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.